Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 184B of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And of course, it's Thursday night. It's the preview portion of the show. I see a bunch of you guys jumping here, uh, jumping on the chat. Make sure as you uh, join on here, smash the like button and... uh, your homework, your fee for this episode. Remember, guys, I do not charge a monetary fee for this podcast. I just ask that you guys kind of do a little homework for me, a little fee. And this week, all I want you guys to do is continue to spread the word about the two shows a week deal that we're doing here, where we got the preview show, I'm sorry, the review show on Monday, preview show on Thursday. Keep spreading the word about that. Let's get more people watching the Thursday show or listening to the Thursday show later on on iTunes, Spreaker, everywhere that uh, podcasts are heard. All right, let's get into some news and notes, man, because we got a few things to discuss. I'm sure you guys are going to have some questions. Real quick, some ratings and not very good ones from top rank. That Navarrete de Vaca card, that doubleheader on ESPN last Saturday, it averaged 471,000 viewers. You got to remember, okay, if you're talking Fox Sports 1 or something like that, that's a pretty good rating. But ESPN, you're in 86 million homes. So I think, what, 1% of that would be about 860,000, right? So you're at basically half a percent in terms of the average uh, you know, all the homes that ESPN's in, about half a percent of them tuned in to watch this card live. So that's not the greatest rating. It's the lowest of the few cards Top Rank has done this summer on ESPN. But look, look at the names. There were no Americans headlining, and it's the middle of the summer, the dog days of summer. School's getting back in. Football's ramping back up. So it's understandable. However, You compare it to the Bryant Jennings Dimitrenko card last year at around the same time in August, that card did 686,000. But then again, we could say those were heavyweights and Jennings is of course American. So uh, all those things make a difference, but hopefully that September 14th show for top rank will do better because the ratings have been declining with their few, uh, the, the, the three cards I think they've done, they've done a card in uh, June, July, and August now, and I think each one has trended downward. I think they'll get a bump in September. We shall see. Okay, uh, WBO has denied Dillian White's appeal. So when Alexander Usyk was named the WBO heavyweight mandatory, remember, Usyk was the unified undisputed champion at cruiserweight. He uh, dumped his titles there, moved up to heavyweight. The WBO has a rule that if you move up in weight and you are their champion in a lower weight class, you can automatically be uh, stated as the mandatory in your new division if that's what you want. They did it for Terrence Crawford, right? So they did this for Alexander Usyk. And Dillian White wanted to be the mandatory. He wanted to... Uh, he, so he put in a, uh, an appeal after testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs by UCAD. To, uh, to, he wanted to be the mandatory, right? WBO told him, nope, that's it. Denied his appeal, and that's that. So Dillian White's not going to fight for a title anytime soon. We still have no idea what's going on with that UCAD investigation. Sure, a few of you guys out there saw a Tony Bellew interview this week where he was talking about how shitty UCAD is. They suck. You know, I'm just going to say I don't like their process. I've been saying that forever. I've been saying that years ago since, well, since this case came up, right? 
So uh, now, you know, other people are starting to catch on a little bit. I've never liked their process. Okay, let's talk about Triple G. We got some news with Triple G, okay? So first of all, his fight with Sergei Derevyanchenko, which I told you guys is happening for October, that's official now. So it's going to be Triple G and Sergey October 5th at Madison Square Garden, the Hulu Theater. And I think that they'll do, you know, they'll sell out the Hulu Theater. Obviously, that's not going to the, to the main arena. Guys, this is a pretty damn good middleweight scrap. Uh, this is every bit as good of a fight as Canelo versus Jacobs was back in, was that? Yeah, it was uh, May. This is actually going to be better in terms of action. And in terms of ratings, so right now at Ring Magazine, uh, right now Canelo's the champion at Ring Magazine, this is the number one versus number six middleweights. And at Boxing Monthly, we don't list champions on our ratings on our website. If you go to our ratings at Boxing Monthly, we have world ratings, and then we have British ratings. And if we don't rate champions or anything like that. It's just one through ten in each division. I think that's the proper way to do it. But um, anyway, so this is number two versus number seven for Boxing Monthly, number one versus number six with Canelo being champion for Ring Magazine. So uh, this is a pretty damn good middleweight fight. And this is good stuff from the zone that you guys are getting. So now let's talk about Triple G partnering with Matchroom. So Triple G Promotions partnering with Eddie Hearn and his Matchroom company to promote future events together going forward. Now remember, these two entities worked together with the Kell Brook fight going back a few years, right? So they met each other years ago, long before this zone thing even existed. These two guys, or these two companies, essentially, because it was Triple G Promotions. Yes, they, he was uh, still working with what was K2 Promotions, which is now 360 Promotions. But they came across the pond and they were going to fight. Uh, who the hell was it? It was Chris Eubank Jr. they were going to fight. They ended up fighting Kell Brook. And of course, that was a deal with Matchroom. That was a Matchroom card that they kind of came over there and worked with, worked on. So, fought on, I should say. So these guys have known each other for a while. And um, now what's, what's interesting is I'm already seeing some fun, just typical trolling uh, on Twitter. And I've seen some videos on YouTube already talking about what this means for Tom Loeffler, what this means for Gennady Golovkin. And look, there's a lot of people that really, really despise Eddie Hearn. They really dislike Eddie Hearn. And there's a lot of people that don't like Gennady Golovkin. So now the hate for Golovkin is going to be even more substantial. The people that hated Golovkin before are going to hate him even more now if they hate Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn gets more hate than Golovkin. So this is just going to increase the hate. And some of the speculation and everything that I'm seeing on Twitter and social media is hilarious. I just want to clear the record right now. Right now. Gail Falkenthal says, hate the game, not the player. Exactly, Gail. But... Tom Loeffler is still the managing director of Triple G Promotions, right? That has not changed. I remember I, I did a piece for Ring Magazine when Golovkin announced his deal with The Zone. I talked to Tom pretty uh, for at least an hour about that deal for, for that piece. And I, I asked him a million times, Tom, what's going on with you and Gennady? Come on, man, give me something. Come on. I tried, you know, tried to pull something out of him. No, the relationship is good. Gennady's wanting to, he's thinking about life after boxing. He's thinking about doing, being a promoter. He wants to do what Oscar De La Hoya is doing right now, basically. And 
just for you know a different demographic of fighters it's going to be more eastern european fighters guys from uh, over where, where you know his part of the world not just kazakhstan but remember guys uh, gennady's father's russian speaks russian i believe his wife is russian so uh the fighters from that part of the world is is primarily who they will promote but they will also promote american fighters and uh right now i know 360 promotions uh works with several american fighters so anyway Nothing's really changed as far as Golovkin and Tom Loeffler's relationship. They're just partnering with Eddie Hearn. And if you really think about it, long term, this makes a lot of sense. Look at Eddie Hearn and who he at least promotes or at least co-promotes in the middleweight to super middleweight division. Of course, you have Daniel Jacobs. Who wouldn't want to see a Golovkin-Jacobs rematch should he beat Derevyanchenko? And that's no given. Derevyanchenko is not a punk, Okay. Uh, 13 and 1 is his pro record. But remember, he had 25 World Series of boxing fights. He just had a very close fight with Daniel Jacobs. So that fight against Derevyanchenko will be a very good way to see uh, just where Golovkin is. The prime Golovkin pretty soundly defeats and stops Derevyanchenko. But if Golovkin really has slipped, who knows? Anyway, Daniel Jacobs rematch. Billy Joe Saunders, who just signed with Eddie Hearn. Of course, Demetrius Andrade, Callum Smith, the champion at 168, Dimitri Bevel, who just signed a co-promotion deal with Hearn. He might be moving down from light heavyweight to 168 and staying there. And then, of course, there's the Canelo rubber match. So in terms of possible opponents, remember, after this Derevyanchenko fight, Golovkin has four more fights with the zone. Look at all those opponents right there. And having this co-promotional partnership with Eddie Hearn makes all those fights doable, easy, and they eat on both sides with, with that thing. So it makes a lot of business sense. That's all this is. And then going forward after retirement for Golovkin, he wants to get into promoting, partnering with Eddie Hearn, who has a really good business model over there in the UK. He's well entrenched with the zone. Remember, Golovkin uh, knows some of the people at the zone too. One of the top guys at the zone, I think financially, uh, one of the executives, I can't remember his exact title, is from Kazakhstan, I do believe. So um, they're, they're planning things for the future with the zone together. I think this is a smart play. I don't, this isn't a shady thing. This isn't uh, negatively impacting Tom Loeffler in any way. In fact, it's probably a good thing for him later on. Uh, yeah, so anyway, let's uh, get to some uh, questions here. Oh, CJ Duncan with the super chat. He says, Montero on Thursday, M-O-T. <laughs> What's good, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, are you going to Spence Porter, CJ? I want to let you guys know. Um, so Tiffany and I have confirmed it. We are absolutely going out to L.A. to cover the Spence Porter card. I'll be doing some work for Ring TV. I'll also be doing some work for Boxing News 24. And I'll be doing some work just for MOB, just for my channel. So I'll be... Um, working you know just working my butt off for that whole week but we're getting there like well before fight week we're getting there i want to say like september 20th or something and we'll be there for almost two weeks we'll go down to san diego for a few days but all in all we're going to be there for like two weeks so anyway any of you guys going to that fight let's get up michael barrios i'm going to try to make it yeah dude i know you better regardless we'll hang out you know what i'm saying uh, me and you and the ladies will get together. We'll hang out. CJ, let me know if you're going to be in town. We'll hang out. He says, uh, MJB Taco says, let's grab dinner. Hell yeah. 
Joe56984 asks, is Dan Raphael a jerk at the fights? You know, okay, let me say this. Dan Raphael is a peer. I don't want to shit talk any peer. But I will say this. I've had two very different interactions with Dan Raphael. Very interesting. When I was first getting started on the beat in Los Angeles... I covered the Bernard Hopkins, Chad Dawson card at Staples, right? I can't remember who I was writing for, but uh, I remember I'd taken the subway down there. It was one of my first like bigger uh, events that I covered in LA. It was, you know, I, I was really happy. I was excited. I saw Dan Raphael after the fight walking out. I don't know if he was catching the train or what, but I just kind of walked up to him. And I was like, hey, Dan, you know, um, I'm, I'm starting out young boxing writer and, in uh, you know, I really, uh, I read your column, you know, I read your columns, I, I read your chats, I know he does weekly chats, or at least he used to, and I went to shake his hand, and he pulled back, and he like, almost flinched, like he thought I was going to punch him or something, he thought I was going to mug him, he had the weirdest reaction, like he literally thought I was some crazed, deranged crackhead or something, that I was going to clock him, and he pulled back, and he like got all weird, and then he just kind of shook and did one of these fist bump things like he didn't want to shake my hand (laughs) years later when i had built up a little bit of a name i was covering i don't know if it was a klitschko no i think it was a golovkin fight in new york it might have been klitschko's last fight in new york and um i uh i I met dan Raphael, but i was introduced to dan Raphael by by a a very well-known boxing publicist who works with a lot of fighters and Dan Raphael shakes my hand. We're right by the ring. You know what I'm saying? We're right there ringside, got the credential, and I'm being introduced by a veteran in the business. You know, So then Dan Raphael came right up and shook my hand. He was like, what's up, man? A totally different aura about him. So anyway, I just always remember that. Sorry for boring you with that story, but I just remember those two things, those two uh, extremes of how Dan Raphael looked at me in between, you know, where I'm at in the business now and where I once started. But, you know, hey, maybe it was outside. It was downtown L.A. And I don't think Dan is a city kind of guy, you know, a street kind of guy. So maybe I had a backpack on and headphones and maybe I just looked like a creep or something. He thought I was going to rob him. Maybe that's all it was. But um, anyway, James Burrell asked, is Dan Raphael a jerk at the buffet? Oh, that's not nice. That is not nice. That is shaming, my friend. Jose says, Woohoo, LA, I'll see you there. All right, brother, hells yeah. Coast to coast, LA to Chicago. Well, you're going Chicago to LA. But yeah, I'll see you there, bro. Gail says, Rafael has always been cordial to me and traded great restaurant recommendations. He is the Helen Thomas of boxing. <laughs> There's a lot I could do with those, some of those comments there, Gail. I'm just going to leave it as is, okay? Let's get into the fight preview. We actually have a lot of stuff going on this weekend. So Thursday, August 22nd, Fantasy Springs Casino, Indio, California. There's a Golden Boy Promotions card with a few different prospects that they're going to be streaming on Ring TV. So guys, check that out. Uh, Friday, August 23rd, Roy Jones Jr. boxing card on UFC Fight Pass. Gary O'Sullivan, Spike O'Sullivan of all guys on that card. At least he was on the schedule last time I looked. And a couple of New York-based prospects who I think were born in Latin America but now fight out of New York. Also, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. 
a showbox card from the hold from Holden Productions and Salida Promotions and one of the best American prospects right now Jason Enos 22 and 0 a welterweight out of Philly he's on that card also Shojahan Ergashev 16 and 0 200 plus amateur fights he's a 140 pounder originally from Uzbekistan now fights out of Detroit and Vladimir Shishkin 8 and 0 super middleweight out of Russia so that should be a fun showbox card. Now, Saturday, August 24th, we have another UFC Fight Pass card from Alpine, California. This is, of course, Roy Jones Jr. Promotions. He has a deal with those guys, several prospects. So none of Roy's fighters have really broken through, but he keeps them busy. These shows are going on all the time with UFC Fight Pass. So uh, you know, maybe one of these guys will break through at some point, and that could really change the game for Roy Jones Jr. Promotions. Also, there's an interim bantamweight title fight in Manila, Philippines. John Riel Casimero going up against Cesar Ramirez. A strawweight title fight from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Vic Salidar going up against Wilfredo Mendez. And a flyweight title fight in Nagoya, Japan. Kosei Tanaka defending his flyweight WBO title against Jonathan Gonzalez. Not Johnny Gonzalez, Jonathan Gonzalez. So... Uh, Tanaka is kind of knocking on the door of the pound-for-pound list, right? One title is at 105, 108, 112. My problem is it's all WBO. It's all in Japan. Again, some of these Japanese guys, it's really hard to say. You know, I hesitate to throw them on the pound-for-pound list. Now, Naoya Inoue, the monster, he's absolutely pound-for-pound. But there's a few of these other guys, and Tanaka's one of them, where it's like, okay, dude, let's leave Japan or at least if you stay in Japan, let's unify titles. A few of these guys will jump up in weight and everything, but they'll defend the same title, just like Tanaka with the WBO. I'd like to see him get more on the world stage. We shall see what happens there. Also, Saturday in Edinburgh, Texas, about 20 miles north of the Mexican border, Fox Sports 1. There are 15 fights on this card. 15 fights. They loaded this card. All prospects. So if you want to see some young guys coming up in the world, here you go. But in the main event, Brandon Figueroa, Omar's brother, who's a lot more dedicated to boxing and just seems to have way more upside, not just in boxing, but probably legally outside of the ring in his future. He's 19-0 with 14 knockouts, going up against an Argentinian fighter, Javier Nicolas Chacon, for Figueroa's interim WBA uh, super bantamweight or junior featherweight title. In Hermosillo, Mexico, on the zone, Juan Francisco Estrada going up against Dwayne Beeman. I didn't really know who Dwayne Beeman was. I looked up uh, his record. He's out of North Carolina. He's fought exclusively in North Carolina and Mexico. So he's fought in the Chitlin circuit here in the United States, in North Carolina. And then he's had some nondescript fights in Mexico. I'm not quite sure why he was fighting down there uh, against opponents that weren't very good at least their records weren't very good i have no idea what he's doing in this fight but he's i think he's way in over his head here uh just just quantum leap in opposition i know i use that term a lot but this is insane he has fought nobody near i'm not even going to say like gatekeeper level and now he's fighting one of the best fighters in the world pound for pound so uh this is for estrada's wbc super flyweight title 
is Estrada going to uh, play with his food and just kind of get some rounds in and get some work in to prepare? He, he says he wants a unification fight with Cal Yafai next, and that could absolutely happen on the zone. That's a good fight, a real good fight. So is he just going to try to get some rounds in here and work, or is he going to try to blow this dude away? I don't know, but I mean, I'll be checking it out because I'm a huge fan of Juan Francisco Estrada. I think a lot of you guys have been sleeping on him for a long time. But man, this opponent he's fighting. We'll see what he's made of heart-wise. But what did I tell you guys about Navarrete de Vaca last week? This is an even more extreme version of that. It could get ugly. Also on this card, another Uzbekistan fighter. What did I say about Uzbekistan's amateur program on Monday's show? What did I tell you guys? There's, right now you got these Ukrainian kings, right? A few years from now, there's going to be the Uzbekistan click. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. And here's another one of them. Uh, Shakram Giasov, 8-0 out of Uzbekistan, now fights and lives out of New York. They put this kid on the fast track. He's going up against a pretty decent level opponent for, for his ninth pro fight. Also, Croatian heavyweight uh, prospect Flip Hergovic. And Liam Smith and Jono Carroll are on that card as well. But the big one this weekend, out of Chelyabinsk, Russia, ESPN+. And this fight's going to be on like in the afternoon here in the States. So you're going to get some Saturday afternoon boxing. And then later on at night, you can watch the zone card and everything else. But afternoon here, it's going to be night over there in Russia. Sergey Kovalev defending his WBO light heavyweight title against Anthony Yard. A lot has been made about this fight. And the hype's been building up. You saw a lot of stuff on Twitter. I'll say this about Anthony Yard. He does an awesome job on social media, man. He does a great job marketing himself. He's very, very active on his Instagram and his Twitter. He's built up a following, and he's really promoting the hell out of this fight, way more than Sergey Kovalev is. Uh, Sergey's just showing up. That's all he's got to do there in Russia. But Yard really is promoting this thing. However, Yard is 18-0, 17 knockouts, 6 feet tall, 28 years old, Looks awesome on the pads. Looks awesome hitting the bag. Physically, looks like a you know a specimen. Okay, but who has he fought? He's fought nobody as a pro. He took up boxing at 19 years old. He hasn't even been boxing for 10 years. That's crazy. So there are there are 18 year old kids right now in the amateurs who have been boxing longer than Anthony Yard, right? So, oh, we got a super chat from Ray Valero. Thank you very much, Ray. He says, support the legendary Mike Montero. Dude, thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, Okay, so I'm not trying to shit on Anthony Yard at all. He has a puncher's chance. The, The big chance he has in this fight, it's really on Sergey Kovalev. Kovalev has, you know... It's, it's no secret. The guy can be extremely undisciplined outside of the ring. He drinks a lot. He womanizes. There's been issues with all this stuff. I'm not trying to, I'm not saying anything controversial. We know, right? He's had not one, but two separate legal incidents involving women that weren't his wife over this summer. Ray Valero's laughing at me about the womanizer thing. Dude, it's just, you know... I, maybe him and his wife are cool. They have an arrangement. I don't know. But there always seems to be issues with him and women and alcohol. 
And I'm not saying this to beat up on Sergei Kovalev. I'm not trying to tell anyone how to live. I mean, if he's doing something that's illegal, that's different. That is shitty. But if you're trying to be a prize fighter, dude, this ain't basketball. This ain't even football. Because in football, you get, there's an injured reserve. There's a second string, a third string. There's an off season. This is boxing. It's 24-7, 365. If you really want to be exceptional, you know, what separated a guy like Floyd Mayweather is he really did. I mean, for the TV, he'd eat tacos or Burger King and shit. This dude outside the ring lived an extremely disciplined lifestyle. He still does. He was a gym rat. He was in shape 365 days a year. You know what I'm saying? Kovalev has shown that he can be undisciplined. And I talked about this before. His last fight in Russia against Isaac Chalemba didn't look great. Didn't look great. Got the W. Oh, we got a super chat. Hang on. Super chat from Mitchell Grant. Thank you very, very much, Mitchell. Let's see. He's got, uh, he says, Mike, can you give a shout out to my brother, Wes? It's his birthday. He is a massive fan of yours for many years and also got me into boxing. Thank you for your hard work, Mike, from Mitch in Sydney, Australia. Number one, absolutely happy birthday to Wes. And thank you, Wes, for supporting my channel, not only that, but also bringing your brother on board, Mitch, and not only that, but bringing him on board to the sport. That's awesome. Makes me feel awesome because I helped bring another fan to this sport that I love and I'm so passionate about and have dedicated so much to, and it's given back to me. So like, this is a prime example uh, this, this, yes! I just, <laughs> dude, if I could reach across here and give you guys a fist bump, I would. Not a creepy Dan Raphael fist bump, but an actual fist bump. Uh, thank you very, very much, Mitchell and Wes. Happy birthday. And then also, how damn cool is it? You're watching this from Australia. It's tomorrow already, and you're watching this shit. I love what I do. God damn it, I love what I do. Okay, sorry. Back to the fight. Sergey Kovalev. In terms of boxing craft, he is forgotten more about boxing than Anthony Yard will ever know, right? Sergey Kovalev at age 15 had more craft than Anthony Yard will ever have. Yellow Man chimes in and says, it's night where I'm at. And I love it that your, uh, what is it called? Your avatar is Homer Simpson, who is yellow. So that makes sense. Well, thank you for watching wherever you're at, Yellow Man. I appreciate it. Uh, but yes, back to Kovalev. Sorry for those of you listening on iTunes later. I know this, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm having ADD issues tonight. But uh, Kovalev, man, 36 years old. I should go to his record. 33-3-1, 28 knockouts. It's the same height as Yard. 72 inches is his reach. They don't, they don't uh, list Yard's reach. But he may have longer arms than Sergey. But Sergey's got some long-ass arms. He is about eight, nine years older had a pretty good amateur career, more so regional, not necessarily global with his amateur career, but coming up in that Russian system, good amateur career, certainly better than yards, which was maybe, I think, 20 amateur fights, something like that. So in terms of experience, in terms of craft, skill, who's, who's had a tougher road in life, who's had a tougher road in the ring, in their pro career, who's been through it? Kovalev. Guys, I talked to Kovalev's managers and, and some of those guys. Just a lot of you don't know the sacrifices that Sergey Kovalev made when he moved to this country. 
and he didn't get paid for many of his early fights. It was Igus Klimas who was basically paying his rent for him for a while, and Sergey just wouldn't get paid for the fight. So, like, he's made extreme sacrifices to get where he is. Extraordinary circumstances. And he's one of those guys where, regardless of how you feel about some of the controversial things he said before, um, some of his actions outside the ring, just referring to what he does in the ring, if he could have been more focused and 100% dedicated, this dude, he probably would still be undefeated. And he might be at the top of that pound-for-pound list, at least near the top. He really is that good and could be not the best fighter on the inside, but really good at long range, really good at mid range, decent on the inside. It's just what kind of condition is he in for this fight physically, mentally, emotionally? Has he been partying his ass off in Russia like he did before Chalemba? Before that Chalemba fight, he was partying his ass off in Russia. Wasn't necessarily the most focused camp ever. The previous time he had fought in Russia, he killed a man. So I've talked about this on a couple different shows now, right? So there's a lot there. He's also fighting in his hometown. Also on top of that, there is a huge eight-figure payday waiting for him to fight Canelo Alvarez at the very end of this year if everything goes right Saturday night. So life-changing money because for all Kovalev has accomplished, he's never made that significant, massive payday, right? This, the fight with Canelo would be for over $10 million. I think they had offered him eight or nine, somewhere in that range, and he turned it down the first time around. He beats Yard, defends his title. They're going to offer him over $10 million, and that fight's going to happen at the end of this year. So there's a lot of pressure and a lot riding on this. Is Kovalev handling that pressure well? Is he staying disciplined? Has he laid off the alcohol? Has he, since he started camp, has he been 100% dedicated and focused? We know he wasn't a few months ago. We know he's being crazy and doing some nasty shit outside the ring. But over the last eight weeks, nine, ten weeks, has he been focused on the Anthony Yard and 100% ready? Remember how long it took to announce this fight officially? Remember how it kept getting delayed and pushed back? Was Kovala being disciplined during that time? Or was he screwing off? We'll find out. The best chance Anthony Yard has to win this fight is if Sergey tries to be the crusher and comes in there and just tries to blow him out. If I'm Sergey Kovalev, if I'm Buddy McGirt, I'm telling Sergey to box just like he did against Eladir Alvarez in their rematch back in February. That's how he should fight this fight. So if he fights this fight that way, he will soften Anthony Yard up and stop him late. If he goes out there and tries to bomb this dude out of there, Yard could get lucky and land a big shot. Sergey's been busted up. He's taken a lot of punishment. Some of the lifestyle outside the ring has contributed to that. And if he takes a big shot from Yard, depending on the condition he's in, it could be nighty-night and he's at an eight-figure payday. We've seen crazy things like this happen before. We saw what Andy Ruiz was able to do against... an not completely 100% focused Anthony Joshua just a few months ago, right? So, guys, just remember that, look, obviously I'm picking Kovalev and picking him big. I think Kovalev should win this fight. If he's anywhere near top form, I don't think Yard should win more than a round, seriously. Maybe Yard wins the first 
or second round or something like that. Other than that, Kovalev should dominate, and he should stop him late. But if he has to go all 12 and win a decision, do that. Secure the fight with, with uh, Canelo. In fact, if I was a betting man, I'd maybe bet the decision because Sergey's going to want to play this one safe to secure that payday. Remember when Canelo fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? And everyone's like, oh, he's going to blow him out. He's going to knock him out, this, that, the other. It went 12 rounds. You could tell Canelo was pulling back. He wasn't going 100% full on, right? I think that's what you're going to see from Sergey here. I think that's a smart play. It secures that Canelo date and payday, not only because he beats Yard, but he comes out without an injury. No headbutts, no cuts, nothing that delays that fight with Canelo from happening. Because Canelo wants to fight Kovalev this year, and then next May, the rubber match with Triple G is going to happen if everything lines up the way that all these guys involved want it to work out. That's what's supposed to happen. That's the script right now. But hey, the script can always change in boxing because of the left and the right. That's why I love this sport. So can Yard upset the script the way Andy Ruiz did earlier this year? We shall see. All right. That's enough for the review. Let's get into some of the chat here. Um, Tim Nick says, Charles Barkley beats Otto Wallen. At basketball or boxing? At boxing, Otto Wallen beats Charles Barkley. Trust me. I know Otto Wallen isn't a huge name, but a guy who knows what he's doing with his fist versus a guy who doesn't. Plus, Charles Barkley is very obese. Not in the best shape. Yeah. Guys... Even if it's not a world-class level fighter, and I know you're just telling a joke, Tim. I, I get it. But I've seen journeymen get in there with like really good athletes from other sports, and those dudes tuned up these athletes. You'll see a guy from football think, oh, I tackle people for a living. I could get in here and box. And they get their ass handed to them by a dude with a pro record of 8 and 23. Boxers know what they're doing. There's something to it. Let's see. Canada Chris says, too many signs that Kovalev is ripe to be taken for the second time, in my opinion. Canada Chris, look, man, it's all there. It's there for Yard to take advantage. Can he do it? I don't know. Again, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting Kovalev, probably Kovalev decision, and he'll play it safe in this fight and secure that big payday with Canelo. That would be my safe pick. But Anthony Yard is bringing two of his own judges to the party. So we shall see. Crazier things have happened in boxing, right? Tony Yayo asks, uh, whoa, 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 the chat just updated. Has Ruiz agreed to the Saudi event? As of now, no, Tony. However, I still think that fight's going to happen. There's a contract. Just like uh, Progray and... Um, and Taylor are now negotiating their fight for the World Boxing Super Series. Remember, Progre had uh, threatened to pull out. These contracts, these guys know what they're doing. So there's a contract there. Ruiz has to fight. Tony Yeo also says, Kovalev got robbed in that war duo. Heard he made less than a million for the second bout. Yes. And some of that was some of the politics Ward and Rock Nation kind of played. They... they there were th- I, to get into it would take an hour, but there were things that they were able to do to the contract and everything else to limit Kovalev's power um, to the point where th- they were basically backed up against the wall and main events 
to for them to not bleed money had to pay Sergey shit. And Andre Ward's money was guaranteed, so he didn't care that the pay-per-view sold like shit and everything else. Uh, they were, for Andre Ward, he was trying to minimize how much money Kovalev could make and make as much as he could make. Again, to get into the details, guys, it'd take forever. Tony Ayo also says, Tony Ayo's got a lot of comments here. He says, Triple G Mirada will happen in Tokyo soon. That fight is possible at some point. It is possible. It's a big event over there. It's a huge event. Faint Cantu says, Andre Ward should never commentate for his fighters again. Hmm. <laughs> I think Andre Ward's turning into a good commentator. I think he's doing a really good job as a commentator. Louis Garibay said or asked, do you think Triple G fights in late December or early January? Assuming he beats Derevyanchenko, the plan is to come back early next year. It would be late January, early February, something like that. Um, it might not be the best level of opponent. It's the, the opponent is probably going to, you know, people are going to troll the level of opponent. But it's also going to be, okay, in May we're fighting Canelo for a third time. So it would kind of be a stay busy type of fight. Azier says, uh, Usyk versus Fedosov, is it official? I don't know if it's official quite yet, but that's, it's going to be announced soon. So um, Alexander Usyk is fighting Andre Fedosov. Is it Andre? I can't remember his first name. Is it Sergei Fedosov? Anyway, it's the guy who won the Boxino tournament, heavyweight Boxino tournament on ESPN a few years back. Vlad asked Mike, what do you think of Usyk at heavyweight? I'm biased, but I think he could clean the, the division in three years. You know, we got to see how he looks, man. Um, he hasn't fought since the end of last year, man. He hasn't fought in almost a year. I actually think Fedosov is a really good first opponent for him. I think Takam would have been too, but Takam just signed another deal. So uh, Fedosov is experienced. He's fought some good, decent heavyweights himself. Won some, lost some. But uh, overall, I think it's a good first fight for Usyk. We got to see how he looks at the weight. We got to see how he can handle a heavyweight punch. This is a proper first fight for him coming back off the injury and the, the layoff and everything. How does he do against Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, those kind of guys? That's a huge leap, dude. That's a huge leap. So we got to see how he can handle the power and the size. He's going to be punching up at bigger guys now. That He's not going to be able to really hurt and move in turn the same way he did at cruiserweight so i think it's going to take a year or two to adjust to that but you got to remember he is the mandatory now for the winner between uh, ruiz and joshua if the, the winner of that fight which i believe will be joshua by decision if uh if he wants to keep that ibf belt he's going to have to fight Usyk. so Usyk's going to have to if he beats Fedosov and beats him well, he's going to have to get in the ring again very, very soon and fight a top 10 guy to see where they're at. If he can handle a punch at heavyweight, he can absolutely be the champion right now. He's got that kind of boxing craft. Can he handle the punch? That remains to be seen. Cody8804 says, so Loeffler was stabbed in the back. Cody, I'm surprised it took you this long to get on here and start bashing Loeffler. Go back and watch the beginning of the show. Tom Loeffler is still the managing director for Triple G Promotions. Ozzie says, Mike Coppinger tweeted that Ruiz agreed. Okay, well, Coppinger has direct access to the PBC guys. They're really good buddies. So if he's tweeting that, then I guess Andy Ruiz agreed to terms. So basically, what I've been telling you guys for the last two weeks, 
it looks like it happened. Let me go check Twitter right now. Let's go to Mike Coppinger's feed. Is it Mike Coppinger or Michael Coppinger? Let's see. It is Mike Coppinger. Okay. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. I don't see any tweet about it, guys. Oh, here we go. Okay. So Mike Coppinger tweets, Sources... Andy Ruiz has agreed in principle to head to Saudi Arabia for the rematch on December 7th. If you want to know more, go to the site that we charge you to read articles for. Okay, so, yeah. So what I've been telling you guys for the last two weeks, the fight's going to freaking happen in Saudi Arabia. So can we move forward with this shit? <laughs> the fight it will happen, like I've been telling you guys. These contracts are solid, okay? They are solid. Tree Duck says Ruiz is getting millions more. Yeah, like I've been saying. They were trying to get more concessions. I tweeted weeks ago. Go research the tweet. I tweeted weeks ago. When this negotiation is said and done, Andy Ruiz is going to get eight figures. Regardless of whatever number, he's going to get eight figures. So there you go. That's what they've been saying for weeks. Guys, this is how it works. You just got to be patient. Uh, Okay. Let's see. What else? Fink Cantu says, if you promote a fighter, you should not be in on the commentary. Yeah, I agree with that. You shouldn't be one of the main commentators. You can come on and do a guest spot, a quick segment or something, but you should not be um, the, one of the lead commentators if it's involving a fighter that you promote. That's kind of weird. Bernard Hopkins does that on some of those Golden Boy cards where he would be the uh, he'd be doing commentary work and it's one of his fighters in there. I never really liked that look and feel. I don't think that's the right way to go. It just feels a little too inside. Centurion Sun asks, do you believe Mayweather got 2.5 million for that Saudi video or Santa Claus? I don't know what you're talking about. But remember last week when this AJ and Josh or Andy Ruiz thing was starting to get real hot and heavy and everyone was talking about it? And a video, quote-unquote, leaked of Floyd training overseas. And people were like, oh, does this mean the Pacquiao rematch is on? And now Floyd, he was asked about it. He says, man, that video is from years ago. Floyd, we know you leaked the video to get attention because that's what you do. When Floyd doesn't get enough attention, he'll do little tricks like that to get some media attention. And then he'll be like, ah, man, that video is from years ago. He leaked the damn video! Okay. Uh, Silvio asks, Mike, which future fight are you most looking forward to? That's signed or that's not signed? Uh, That's signed this year? Right now? Man, you got to give me Ruiz Joshua too. Everyone's intrigued for that fight. But then also Pro Gray Taylor. I like Pro Pro Gray a lot. I like Josh Taylor a lot too. I think that's a amazing fantastic fight Golovkin Derevyanchenko and let's not forget man we got Vojtek Baturbiev that fight's kind of falling under the radar man that could be the fight of the year we shall see oh also let's not forget we're gonna get Hurd in J-Rock again probably by the end of the year holy shit 2019 has been shit for the first three quarters but the fourth quarter of this year it's gonna be good real good Okay. Couple more guys and then we out of here. 
Uh, Luis Garibay asks, will Loma fight again if he beats Campbell? This year, um, hmm, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, because so they're, they're targeting the Teofimo Lopez fight for February, right? The Super Bowl. If everything works out, Grandpa Bob wants to have Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez fight around the Super Bowl next year. So maybe you can squeeze in a fight for Lomachenko against a, you know, a lower level opponent just to keep him busy. Maybe they'll do that. <clears throat> but uh, probably, I don't know, man. He might, it really depends on what happens against Campbell. He's got injured in the last few fights, right? He's had a couple of little nagging injuries. Does he get hurt again? Uh, does he get cut? You just don't know. Tony Yeo says Teofimo is not ready for Loma. I tend to agree, but let's see how he looks against Richard Comey. Let's see how he looks against Comey. Uh, the Kissam asked, Usyk, Usyk versus Takam confirmed for October in Chicago. No, the Kissam, you go back and watch the whole show. You should have watched Monday's show as well because I talked about this, I do believe. Um, Takam is out. He signed a deal with, I think, uh, Star Boxing, Joe DeGuardia's group, so he's out. So now they're looking at Fedosov for Usyk to fight. Usyk will fight on that same date, same venue in Chicago, but it's going to be against somebody not named Carlos Takam. Okay, let's see here. Uh, uh, uh. Mm -mm. Eh, Guys, Cody's talking shit about Usyk's googly eye. Cody, are you going to make jokes about Tevin Farmer's googly eye? Let's see. <clears throat> I don't make jokes about either of their googly eyes. Because right? I think that's kind of childish. That's just me, though. Uh, anyway, all right. Um, all right, one last thing. One last question from Tony Yeo. Why is Espinoza throwing shade at Fox for using his fighters? I don't know what you're referring to, though. If you're referring to Steven Espinoza talking shit on Twitter, that seems to be all he does recently. He should be doing less shit-talking on Twitter and getting more fights scheduled on Showtime. Because other than this Showbox card that's on the schedule, Showtime's boxing schedule right now is blank. Like the back of the notes here that I'm holding up. Uh, the back of this sheet of paper, it is blank. Meanwhile, you've got PBC's schedule lining up on Fox. they got some good shit coming up. ESPN's got some good stuff to look forward to. Of course, the zone is going to crush it in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, I think that Steven needs to stop tweeting and start negotiating and get some more fights on this damn network. Yeah, Brad Williams asks, is Teofimo going to fight Comey? I heard he was having second thoughts. That's still the plan. That's what Grandpa Bob wants. So Teofimo might be saying this or that on Twitter. He might back out of that arrangement, but if Grandpa Bob has his way, that's what will happen next. Gail Falkenthal says, Steven Espinoza granted a lengthy interview to Lance Pugmire in The Athletic. FYI, half-price subscription deal on The Athletic today. Well worth it. Interesting. I just, I can't pay for news. Um, I think boxing fans already have to pay for so much. I know The Athletic is all sports, not just boxing. So I think if you're a sports junkie, it's probably a good deal. But for me, I... Yeah, I'd just, I'd just rather text the promoter or whoever, the fighter, and ask them directly than pay on the athletic box. Here's my thing about sites like that and stuff. People, look, the athletic has certain people that they're tied to in the business that will give them news first. 
prefer to give it to everybody else because they have a it's kind of a deal worked out i don't mean like money's changing hands i just mean they're buddies but as soon as you tweet something the news is out there there's no such thing as breaking news anymore because in three seconds it's all out there on social media anyway so um really even when i do a video I, like I don't do videos about breaking news or this or that because I, I'm not going to break any news on this channel. If I hear something from a promoter, a fighter, whoever it is, and I talk about it here, by the time I upload the video, get it out there, tag it, bag it, release it, it's on Twitter. It's everywhere. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever subscribe to The Athletic. We shall see. Maybe if I work for them one day, I'll, <laughs> I'll subscribe to them. Uh, Brad Williams says, Colme looked better than Teofimo did. Yes, in their last fight, but go to the fight before that. Different story. So, you know, look, styles make fights. And again, I will say, those 12 rounds Teofimo Lopez had with, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the fighter's name, the Japanese fighter, was the best thing that could have happened to him. The absolute best thing that could have happened to him. It's going to pay off for him down the road. Tim says, I'm too slow. <laughs> um, Omar Rodriguez asks, can DAZN buy the rights to the HBO Boxing Library? No, they cannot. No, they cannot. Uh, different entities own that property. So it'll stay where it is as far as ownership for now. Maybe chunks of it will be broken up and sold later. Uh, but HBO will continue to do sports documentaries and things like that with some of that footage as they so please. I got to tell you guys, I used to get HBO. And for a long time, I got it for free. I had a deal worked out where I got it for free for years. And uh, they wanted to start charging me recently. My deal that I used to have was running out. And that deal carried over from LA to Atlanta and everything else. But they didn't want to recognize it anymore. And they wanted to start charging me. And I just canceled it. HBO sucks. They don't, they don't have boxing right now. They're a propaganda machine for political activism and all that. I just, and not that I subscribe to that and, and either side or anything. I just don't, ugh. The only good thing they have is hard knocks with the NFL, right? And they do some interesting docu uh, documentaries. They do. I'll give them that. But that shit's on Netflix in six months, right? Any documentary they have. I'm not a Game of Thrones nerd. So, yeah, I just don't get the HBO thing. You know what I'm saying? I just don't get it. And um, the hard knocks, I do like the hard knocks. But how many times can you see the same kind of storyline over and over and over? It's just like these 24-7 type of shows in boxing. I don't really watch those either. Because you get to a point like I already know all the information they show on those shows. It might be news to the casual sports fan. But I already know pretty much all that information because I've talked to the fighter or his promoter at some point. Um, so I kind of know everything. Centurion Sun says 24-7 was the best. It was a lot of fun, dude. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. Extremely well produced. But how many times could I see Floyd Mayweather go to Taco Bell and be hanging out with his girls and getting a scalp massage and getting his nails done? It was the same thing just over and over. And then when he went over to Showtime, it was, you know, he was doing the same thing there. Same thing with Pacquiao. Even with Golovkin. The one interesting thing I'll say is Golovkin kind of turned heel in the rematch with Canelo. And that kind of made it fun because Canelo and Golovkin really hated each other. 
And they were so respectful during the first fight. The second one, they really hated each other. So it made that 24-7 kind of interesting. But yeah, I stopped watching those programs uh, a while ago. Canada Chris says, I like Bill Maher's show. Canada Chris, I used to love Bill Maher's show. I used to be a big Bill Maher guy, but he sold the fuck out, dude. The last few years, he let O'Shea Jackson punk him on his own show. And he's become a corporate man. Um, he toes the line on certain political issues, but then other issues he'll actually speak the truth on. Bill Maher is completely sold out and just become another corporate puppet. That's all he is at this point. He produces a lot of stuff at HBO, and he doesn't want to mess that up. Yeah, he let O'Shea punk him right on his own show. He completely lost his balls. Yeah, you guys are asking who's O'Shea. O'Shea Jackson is the guy, he, he calls himself Ice Cube, the 50-plus-year-old millionaire who acts like he's an oppressed you know, guy. Um, basically, it was two millionaires arguing on Bill Maher's show, and Bill Maher, on his own show, let this dude completely punk him. And I'm like, dude, where's your balls? Bill Maher of 20 years ago would have told O'Shea Jackson to go fuck himself right in his face. Even if he punched you or something, you still would have said that. That was the Bill Maher I respected. It got him fired from a couple of jobs, but he told the truth the way he saw it. Even if I didn't agree with it all the time, I agreed with a lot of it. But he kind of lost that along the way and he's just become another corporate shill. He's just a bag of shit. The last time I liked Bill Maher was when he stood up to Ben Affleck a little bit that one time. That was fun. Ben Affleck, Jesus, what, what a clown that guy is. Gail Falkenthal says, wait, you don't watch Ballers? Is Ballers a show on HBO? Then no, I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, Vlad Mash says, Bill is a lefty puppet. Yeah, well, look, Vlad, I'm, I'm a classical liberal. I'm a moderate liberal, moderate, lefty, however you want to word it. So th there are a lot of issues, you know, when it comes to religion and certain things like that, that I, I, I agree with Bill on a lot of things. I just, I don't, I'm not indoctrinated in the, the cult religion of intersectionality and the hierarchy of privilege and the oppression Olympics and, and all this kind of shit. I, I don't subscribe to that stuff. So um, I, I can't ride with Bill on that because he, he doesn't believe in that shit either. Okay, if you go to one of Bill's parties and you talk to him off the record, and you know, I can't say too much here, but when I first went to Hollywood, I may have went to one, but um, you go there and you talk to him off the record, he's coked out of his mind half the time, but he'll tell you the truth about how he really feels about certain things, and he used to go on a show and talk that way. He goes on there now and he bites his tongue. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're a fucking shill. You're, you're the same guy you used to bitch about 20 years ago. Who knew that we we're going to have a Bill Maher rant the last 10 minutes of this show? Um, Billy Boxham Spectrum says, I love Reyes gloves. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, I love Reyes gloves. I tell you. But boxing coaches don't like him if you're working mitts. They want you to put on something way softer. Because, holy shit, your power changes. You got to get used to your hands being so curled up, though. But those gloves, they do, you feel the power right away. Centurion Sun asks Grant versus Reyes. Reyes are the hardest punching gloves I've ever put on. You, you instantly feel the difference. But they will do some work on your knuckles. You, you got to, you know, they talk about Mexican-style hand wraps. There's a reason the Mexican fighters put so much gauze. Because those Reyes gloves... If you, glove, if you uh, tape up like normal, let's say if you're putting on some Everlast, 
uh, and then you, you do the same tape job with some uh, clitoris, you feel the difference instantly on your knuckles. You really, really do. Gail says, there's a reason all the vicious Mexican fighters wear Reyes gloves. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you feel the difference right away. The Fight Scout says, those gloves from the 80s and 90s are the hardest gloves I've ever worn. Yep, hell yeah. Tommy Boseo asks, you think you could be a good corner man, Montero? Hell yeah, I could. I'd, I'd be a chief second. I wouldn't be the, the, the head guy, but absolutely. I could do a good job in a corner. Absolutely. freaking lootly All right, uh, guys, we've been going for about an hour. So we'll, we'll go on. We'll uh, leave on Tony Yeo's last question. Is Joey Spencer the next big thing? No. All right, guys, that's it. Remember to do your homework. Spread the word about the Thursday show. I'll see you at the fights.